0: Zoomers are shacking up. They are not getting married, but they are moving in together. According to the Census Bureau, more than 11% of Americans aged 18 to 24 lived with a romantic partner who is not a spouse last year. That is the highest share of young Americans doing that sort of thing ever. And there are all sorts of reasons as to why they're doing it. To save money, convenience, pleasure. But I suspect The main reason that they are shacking up at a higher rate than ever before is that society tells them there's nothing wrong with it. There's no reason not to. Which has me thinking about how things used to be. I'm not thinking about the 1950s. I'm not even thinking about the 1850s. I am thinking a little further back, all the way to the 1050s. All the way back to a now little known group by the name of the Albigensians. If you've never heard of the Albigensians, it was this strange religious group that had a lot of bizarre ideas. They believed that the world was not created by an all-loving God and that sin and death pervaded the world because of man's abuse of his free will and Adam and Eve and all the rest of it. They believed that two principles, two mutually opposing principles created the world, the good principle and the bad principle. The good principle was the principle of spirit. The bad principle was the principle of the material world. And so the Albigensians believed that spiritual things were good and pure and true. They believed that their true selves, their true identity, was purely spiritual, purely metaphysical. And they believed that all the stuff of the physical world, including their bodies, was evil and terrible. And so you might say, well, they just had some quirky ideas. Who cares? Live and let live. The problem with the Albigensians was that their movement was spreading and their movement threatened civilization. It was destroying society everywhere it went because ideas have consequences. So the Albigensians, hating all the material world, thinking everything was evil, they discouraged marriage. They they redefined marriage and outlawed it. They discouraged people from getting married. They encouraged concubinage. They actually encouraged shacking up if that was the alternative to be married because it was more temporary. They hated procreation. They strongly discouraged procreation. They encouraged vegetarianism and fasts, even to the point of starvation. They uh, encouraged suicide, and they hoped for the eradication of the human race, the whole human race. They thought this humans growing and populating, that was really, really bad. This physical world is so bad, we've got to get rid of it. Certain echoes of this very bad idea seemed to reverberate through modern times. But fortunately, the forces of civilization were able to overcome the Albigensians, and civilization lived to see another day. Bad ideas left uncorrected. Bad ideas embraced and enshrined in culture and law and custom have the power to destroy civilizations if the forces of civilization don't root them out first. Just been thinking about that lately. I don't know. I don't know why. We have got uh, a lot of these bad ideas going around the culture. We'll get to, there's a video, we'll get to a little bit later, of Lieutenant Governor in Minnesota, Democrat, of course, pushing not only insane ideologies onto children, but pushing an insane ideology about children, which we will get to. But first, we've got to fill up our brains with knowledge of what's in the news. And you might need to fill up your propane tank at home before you go grilling, which is why you got to check out Cinch. Right now, go to cinch.com, use promo code Knowles. It is starting to get a little bit warmer down here in Tennessee, finally. Friends and neighbors are already breaking out their barbecues. Now, the last thing that you're going to want to do when you're getting ready to take that grill pill, have a weekend cookout, is to drive around trying to find a place to refill your propane tank. That is why you need Cinch. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane tanks right to your door. Cinch delivers on your schedule, no long-term commitment, no subscription, none of that. Plus, delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to be home to receive the delivery. You don't really have to do much of anything at all. You can track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Whether you are grilling for the game, camping, or enjoying a cozy fire on a cold night, maybe a nice romantic little evening, Cinch's propane delivery service ensures that you have the fuel that you need to make the most of every moment. Go online to cinch.com or download their app to order. New customers can get their first tank exchange for just 10 bucks with promo code Knowles. You can also go to cinch.com or download the Cinch app and use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get your first tank exchange for just $10. C-Y-N-C-H.com, promo code This is a limited time offer. You must live within a Cinch service area to redeem it. Cinch.com slash offer for details ideas have consequences. This is why societies need to encourage good ideas and discourage bad ideas. This is why societies have standards and norms, because ideas are not just things that float around in the air. They're not just things that float around in our heads, but they impel people to action and they transform society. And in some cases, they can destroy society. will give you an example of ideas having consequences. There's an idea out there that conservatives have no right to speak in public. Uh, This is an idea pretty much only on the left. The right-wingers never seem to mind, or very rarely at least seem to mind, when the left-wingers hold public events and rallies and speeches. The left-wingers always hate it. They're trying to cancel multiple speeches and speaking events of mine right now, as they've been doing for years at this point. Charlie Kirk was just giving a speech at a university in California And this was some of the most intense pushback to a speech I have ever seen. There were barricades put up in the room where Charlie Kirk was speaking. There were protesters who were beating down the door. I think a police officer was injured. People were arrested. These were violent leftist agitators at UC Davis. And some of them actually made their way into the building before they were removed. Now, the consensus view for many years has been that when leftists make fools of themselves at these events when they scream and they shriek and they get violent and that that's really bad for them because it's exposing how unreasonable they are and it makes the conservatives look really really good because we're the reasonable ones we're the normal ones how could anybody support the left the problem with this consensus view though is that the libs keep winning the libs keep winning on all the things that they want The libs keep radically redefining fundamental aspects of our society. The libs keep winning lots and lots of elections. Even when the libs don't win elections, the libs keep ramming their policies through through the courts and through the bureaucracy. The libs have succeeded in their revolutionary plan all the way down to now redefining what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. So how do you make sense of that? If these violent outbursts are so bad for the libs, why do the libs keep winning? And why do the libs keep doing them? Because it's not bad for the libs. Yes, the, the libs look crazy and foolish and unreasonable when, for instance, they burn the country down through BLM for eight months. Yes, they look crazy and wild and unreasonable when they totally misrepresent scientific studies and lock every American in their homes and make us all wear hankies on our face and force us to take an experimental drug, even young children who are statistically virtually no risk from a virus. And yes, they look ridiculous when they make us stand six feet away. And yes, they look ridiculous when they don't force the law. And yes, they look ridiculous when they attack conservatives in public. But then why do they keep winning? Because... Ideas have consequences. And one of the consequences of of their ideas is that they will intimidate conservatives in public. They will intimidate the public, and so corporations will bend the knee. Even parents frequently will bend the knee. The citizenry will bend the knee because they just don't want to deal with it because those threats actually threaten them, and they they don't want to have to deal with the consequences of it. That's a scary thing. And that's why you've got to put down certain ideas. The, the left at this point would, would seem to deny objective truth. Often seems to, certainly denies the traditional moral order. seems to have their own cockamamie ideas instead. And and we can't can't divorce their actions from their ideas. If if you're only trying to address the actions, okay, we're going to force this conservative speaking event through. Okay, we're going to arrest some of the violent rioters. You're not dealing with the problem. If you want to preserve society, you've got to go after the bad ideas. Some might say you have to eradicate those bad ideas. Now, liberals are losing on one front. That would be the Oscars. Meant to get to this yesterday. The ratings are out for the Oscars and the libs are bragging. They're saying the Oscars ratings are back up. They're up to 16 million viewers. See, Hollywood's back. Hollywood, which is one of the biggest microphones for the liberal establishment out there. Hollywood's back, baby. People are tuning in. But while it is true that 16 million is an improvement over 2021, let's say, when the COVID lockdowns shut down the film industry, there were basically no new films. It's up from 10.4 million in 2021. Just the year before that, the Oscars ratings were 23.6 million. So now they're down by 7.5 million. It's a huge number. But before 2020, 2019, it was 29.5 million. Hovered around there for a while. 2017, it was 32.9 million. A couple years before that, 37.3 million. Year before that, 2014, 43.7 million. Now we're down to 16, and they're saying, this is a big victory. All right, we went from almost 44 million viewers to 16 million viewers in the span of about nine years. But hey, we're up a little bit from last year. It's a big win. We're back. So that doesn't convince anybody. Obviously, Hollywood's influence has declined considerably. It's not just because of technological progress. It's because people are tuning out, because Hollywood is making movies that are Absurd and don't tell true stories and insult the audience. But that's not my main takeaway. Yeah, sure, the movies are dead. Hollywood's losing influence. Okay, great. My main takeaway here is that this trend of celebrating a slight uptick after a total collapse is how our society is working today. I've frequently criticized the conservatives for this. We counted a victory. When the liberals take 90% of the field and we walk them back 2%, we counted a victory. Hey, guys, big win! Big win, guys! The liberals are gonna have to wait until our children turn six to trans them. Yeah, that's right. Ha ha, baby! Yeah, we lost our customs and our way of life and the way men and women interact and the definition of marriage and, and even the definition of man and woman. But, but hey, it's a really big win because the liberals are going to wait until, hold on. Oh, there's an update. The liberals are going to wait until our kids are three to trans them. Yeah, big win because they wanted to trans them at age two. Congratulations, everybody. No, that's not a big win. That's a, that's a huge loss. An uptick from 11 million viewers to 16 million viewers is a huge loss when nine years ago it was 40. 43 million viewers, 44 million viewers. That's our whole culture. We say, hey, guys, inflation was only 8% this month. (laughs) Woo, big win. (laughs) That's big stuff, huh, guys? Hey, we only had 2.3 million illegal border crossers last year. Yeah, that's right. What What a big win. What a great improvement. No, we're just... We're just normalizing decay and decline. I don't want to normalize that. I don't want to normalize that at all. In order to address a problem, you have to look that, that problem square in the face. And the American liberal establishment obviously doesn't want to do that. It paints a very rosy picture. But even the conservatives, the conservatives, uh, their, their favorite drug is copium. You know, they just really want to take out a big pipe and smoke a big bowl of copium because looking the problem in the face is so jarring. Think about everything we have lost in a matter of just a few decades. We, conservatives could not conserve the women's bathroom. We say, hey, but we're, we're on the verge of a comeback. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. I don't see a ton of evidence of that, that we're on the verge of a comeback. Unless we start to, to take on a bolder vision. The liberals have a bold vision. And they express that bold vision through political violence, which I think is unjust and immoral. I don't think the ends ever justify the means, so I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that we use just political means to affect a much more ambitious political agenda. It will work. We don't need to be afraid of ambition. We don't need to be afraid of a, of a grand, coherent vision. Okay, the Libs have that. The, the, the Green New Deal is insane but it's a clear vision. And is it radical? Yes. And are people coming around to it? Yes. Abolish the police is an insane, crazy, radical idea, but it's a clear idea. And many people have come around to it. It has, it has been normalized in our society. Conservatives need to do that as well. We need to stop thinking that decline is inevitable. We need to stop thinking that the libs are always going to win and we just are going to slow them down a little bit. We need to give people a choice. I was on the Whatever podcast, and a couple of the girls on the podcast made an interesting observation that has actually affected my political thinking, which is they disagreed with me. I was very conservative. They were very liberal. So they, they would disagree with me for a lot of the show. The host of that show, Brian, is somewhat liberal. He's certainly not as conservative as I am, it would seem. And the girls were really upset with him. They said, your, your opinion, Brian, is contradictory. They said, at least Michael at least he's clear. At least he knows what he wants. I don't mean to, to you know, grant any criticism of Brian. You know, He has a great show. and every, But that was their observation. That, Brian, we might agree with you more in your relative centrism. But we're more persuaded by Michael's argument because he, even though he's more conservative than us, he has a clear vision. He knows what he wants. Voters are like that too. You've got to know what you want. Voters will vote for a vision and they will follow the lead of leaders. That's how the Libs have won for decades. That's how we could win again too. So the country at the moment is in pretty clear decline on pretty much every front. This would explain why the country is turning inward on the foreign policy front. Why at least the opposition in this country, which is the conservatives, why why we're turning inward. And it's not just the isolationist fringe of the right wing. It's even one of the leading Republican presidential candidates for 2024. That would be Ron DeSantis, who has turned his vision inward when it comes to the war in Ukraine. Uh, He just told Tucker Carlson, quote, while the US has many vital national interests, becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia, is not one of them. So the squishes and the libs and the neocons and the I don't know, whatever term you want to use for the more centrist, liberal establishment wing of the party, they are furious at Ron DeSantis for saying, you know, I don't think we need to write a blank check to Ukraine. And some of the more conservative, MAGA, right wing people in the Republican Party, they don't believe him because not that long ago, Ron DeSantis was advocating for more intervention in Ukraine. You're better off dealing with Putin by being strong. I mean, you know, we've tried to deal with some of this in the Congress. A couple years ago, we authorized lethal aid for Ukraine so that they could resist some of the Russian incursion. Uh, the Obama administration fought us on that. Uh, but I think that's the type of thing when when Putin sees he can gain an inch, he's apt to, apt to take a mile. And basically, if America's not going to give him any pushback, I think he's going to continue to try to expand Russian influence. Okay, so from the pro-Trump camp, this is one of the clips that says, that, that they insist proves that DeSantis isn't for real, he's blown in the wind, and we can't really trust him to execute the America First agenda. But, but this is complicated by the fact that President Trump previously had also argued for greater involvement in Ukraine.
1: Remember that with Ukraine, I sent the javelins that you see are so effective against the tanks, biden didn't and in fact he ended our last order probably it'll get there because everyone realized it was the right thing to do and obama remember obama biden they sent blankets i sent javelins and they sent well you know what the javelins are the anti-tank weapons they knock the hell out of those tanks and Ukraine wouldn't be having a chance without them. That was all sent by me, all of it. We sent other military equipment too. We didn't send our soldiers, but we sent them a lot of equipment.
0: Okay, and he makes a distinction there. He says, we're not sending soldiers, but we sent them a lot of equipment. We've, we've been funding the Ukraine war effort. So what does this mean? It means that Trump and DeSantis are running in the same lane. And they've both taken all sorts of contradictory positions over the years. Now, President Trump is very anti-free trade. He's very pro-tariff. There were op-ed, there there was one op-ed in particular that I'm thinking of that was published in his name when he was considering running for president the first time, and it was a very pro-free trade, pro-globalization sort of op-ed, obviously. He became much more protectionist and and now advocates for a a type of mercantilism. There are also videos of of Ron DeSantis saying, I'm very pro-free trade. He took votes that were pro-free trade. Now it would would appear he's making a little turn. So what does this mean? It means that both these guys are running in the same lane. For the rest of the campaign, they will both be trying to run in the same lane. Trump is going to say, I'm Trump. I'm one of a kind. I'm an American original. I'm the guy who changed the Republican Party. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Ron DeSantis is going to say, President Trump had his time, he didn't win re-election, he's undisciplined, and so I'm Trump without the baggage, but I'm I'm gonna be a type of Trump. I'm just gonna be the, the new and improved version of Trump. They're both running in the same lane. So the question for primary voters I don't think is going to be parsing different issues. I doubt that there's gonna be much daylight at all on any of these issues. I suspect the question is gonna come down to who do you trust more to do it? So right now, Ron DeSantis, after some bad news in recent weeks in the polls with President Trump taking his lead back. DeSantis not really growing in the polls. According to a CNN SSRS poll, DeSantis is now at top of the uh, Republican primary field, 39% to Trump's 37%. So essentially tied. Haley's at seven. Pence is at six. Tim Scott's at two. Sununu's at two. Youngkin is even in the poll. He's at 1%. So It remains anybody's race. The national polls don't really matter when it comes to presidential primaries because the primaries happen state by state. So what matters is who's leading in Iowa, who's leading in New Hampshire, who's leading in South Carolina, who's leading in Florida, because as momentum builds, that's how you're going to see the, the, the real hierarchy of candidates begin to shape up. It won't happen for a while. But according to another poll, more than one third of Biden voters do not want him to run again. And so you can expect more Republican candidates and all sorts of different lanes. You're going to have the centrist lane. You're going to have the neocon lane. You're going to have the libertarian lane. And you're going to have the Trump lane. And right now you got two candidates running in that lane. So we just, we got to make sure that we clear the air. And when you want to clear the air, you've got to check out Rabbit Air. Right now, go to rabbitair.com, tell them Michael Knowles sent you. So guess where I was last night? I'll tell you, I was maybe out a little late on a school night. I was not at home. I was at a cigar bar that I really enjoy. I was there with a couple of buddies. And guess what the cigar bar, which smells great, really, really high-end cigar bar, guess what they use to clean the air? They use the same air purifier that I use, that you should use, rabbit Air, Rabbit Air's award-winning air purifiers are some of the absolute best in the industry. They've got advanced six-stage filtration and deodorization that can reduce airborne particles, odors, and pollutants to keep your air clean and fresh. They're highly customizable. You can do everything from your phone. The thing basically runs itself if you want it to. It's got an odor remover for stogies. It's got a pet allergy filter. It's just got everything that you need. Visit rabbitair.com to speak to a Rabbit Air consultant. That is R-A-B-B-I-T-A-I-R.com. Do not forget to check out their artists series and special editions for a more aesthetically pleasing product design. Make sure to tell them that Michael Knowles sent you. My favorite comment yesterday is from Isaac Glover. Who says, you mean to tell me it's easier to get into a five-star Gordon Ramsay restaurant than to be dealt with by immigration and customs enforcement? In New York City, yes. Because even a five-star restaurant, a Michelin-rated restaurant, probably doesn't have a nine-year wait list. Probably. You might have to wait a year. You might have to wait a year and a half. You probably won't have to wait nine years. So, I I hope that the illegal aliens who have violated one of the most basic laws of our country and who have been arrested or are known to be in the country and then let go and told to hang out for the better part of a decade, I hope they enjoy many Michelin-rated meals before they maybe get an appointment with the people who are supposed to be enforcing our immigration laws. Moving on a little bit to the culture here. Uh, there is a clip going around of the Minnesota Lieutenant Governor, Peggy Flanagan. And Peggy Flanagan is articulating a view of the, the issue that everybody's talking about constantly, which is transgenderism. But she's not even just articulating a view of how to deal with the transgender issue. She's articulating a view of the way that parents should relate to children broadly. Let's be clear. This is life affirming and life saving health care. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown ups to listen and to believe them. Put a a pause there. Or don't put a pause, I guess that's the whole point. The libs invert everything they don't just pervert things. They invert everything. The libs call good evil and evil good. They call truth falsehood and falsehood truth. They call beauty ugly and ugliness beauty. We see this on the billboards. We see this in our classrooms. We see this in public speeches and the way they talk about morality and virtue. And here they have inverted the way that we talk about raising children. They've obviously inverted men and women. Now men are women and women are men. But now children are parents and parents are children. She says it is our job when our, when our children tell us something, it is our job to believe them. That, that is not true. I, I love my children more than my own life. I love my children. I, l- I listen to every little babble and every little word that they utter. But I don't just believe everything they tell me because my children are, one is a toddler and one is a little baby who can't even speak yet. And they don't, they don't know lots of things. They say things that don't make a lot of sense a lot of the time. It is my job to teach them. And it is their job to believe me, as they are learning. That's why it's important to be a good parent so you can raise your kid up right. And then if you raise your kid right, then he will will have developed his own rational faculties and his own solid formation and view of the world. And so then he can examine some of those ideas. He might even disagree with you on some things. And then he'll be a fully functioning adult and, and the generations go on. If a child comes to you and says, daddy, mommy, I'm really, really fat, and the child is really, really thin, it is not your job to believe that child. You say, oh, I guess you're right, darling. Okay, no more cupcakes. If that very thin child comes to her parents and says, mommy, daddy, I'm really, really fat, it's the parent's duty to say, no, you're really thin. You're actually dangerously thin. There's a problem with your perception of yourself and you are going to eat, and you're maybe going to go see a psychologist, and you're, we're going to help you. That's the job of a parent. If a, if a child is suffering from a less common mental illness, let's say a child comes to his parents and says, Mommy, Daddy, I hear voices in my room at night. If it's a really little child, you might say, oh, you're imagining things. It's a, an imaginary friend. But if that, let's say that child's 12 years old. 14 years old, said, mommy, daddy, when you turn the light out at night, uh, I hear voices in my room. Your job is not to believe them and say, oh, well, let's find out where those monsters are hiding. Your job is not to affirm them in, in that delusion and say, hey, you're right, Johnny. Oh, what are, what are their names? Oh, Moloch and Baal and Legion. Oh, wow. Well, I, I can't wait to meet them sometime. No, your job is to say, no, no, no that's not true. You're, there's a problem with your perception something's misfiring. And I know you're con- convinced of your delusion, but no, you should listen to me here and we should get you help to fix your perception. The job of parents, I'm not saying that parents need to be harsh or tyrannical or anything like that. Parents, of course, should listen to their children. The job of the parents is to encourage children. It means to give heart. Okay? And sometimes that involves tough love. I think of the bio tapestry, the famous tapestry of the Battle of Hastings, 1066. And in it, there's a very famous picture of a guy who looks like a bishop, got a little bishop hat, he's holding a club, and he's hitting these soldiers. But they're his own soldiers. And the caption says, here, Bishop Odo strengthens the boys, encourages the boys. <laughs> it's encouraging because he's beating them with a club. Because uh, he was a bishop and he was not allowed to carry a sword and kill up people during the battle. But he was able to beat over the head his own retreating forces and send them back into the battle. Sometimes love has to be a little bit tough. But if it's from a position of charity and if it's done to encourage and if it's done uh, to to help somebody and to really strengthen them and to, to take away cowardice and falsehood and fear and anxiety and lies, that is a very good thing. The job of parents is to encourage their children not to scandalize them. Scandal is when you provide an impediment, a stumbling block to somebody. So when a confused child says, I don't know, let me just, let me think of a hypothetical example. If a confused little boy says, hey, mommy and daddy, I'm really a little girl. And then the parents say, maybe you are. Oh, are you? Yeah, maybe you are. You did, you picked up a Barbie one time. Maybe, I guess you are a girl. That is scandal. That's scandalous. That's that's creating a stumbling block for that child's development. And the gospels are quite clear on this. Christ says, woe to those who scandalize the little ones, the least of these. It'd be better for a millstone to be tied around their neck <laughs> than to, to, around the, the people who scandalize those little children. And often this, this line is, is uh, invoked by people as, as if to refer to abortion or as, as if to refer to physically harming a child. But it's not, it's, it's actually talking about causing a child to stumble, to scandalize them, which is what our whole society is doing right now. Speaking of all these crazy identity politics, there's a viral TikToker who has a message to white people. You know, very often these these ideas, critical race theory and all of the modern woke ideologies they, they present themselves as so complicated. Oh, it's just so, it's problematic and complicated. And you need to have, have read all of these ooh, really esoteric thinkers to understand the meaning of, well, not this lady. This lady has a very clear message on race.
1: I'm feeling spicy, so here's my hot take of the day. All white people are racist. Every single last one of them, all of them are racist. And I don't mean that to say like every single individual white person. If I talk to you, you would have some kind of racist ideology. I'm saying that as a white person, you uphold a system of racism by literally just being white. I believe if you're not spending your literal entire life dismantling racism, then you're contributing to its continuation. And people get so (laughs)
0: literal entire life. Not figurative entire life, literal entire life. So if you don't spend Every single moment of your whole life, if you ever sleep, if you ever blink and are not in that moment fighting racism, you're a terrible racist by virtue of being a white person, which which brings you back to the first point you made, which is all white people all the time are evil, terrible racists. Keep going.
1: Whenever, like, I say, like, people are racist. Like, why is it such a big f- deal? Like, yes, you're racist. Like, okay, we've established that. Now, what are you gonna do to change it? Racism refers to power and Could race. If you
0: nothing, I guess <laughs> nothing. I guess if that's if that's the premise that all white people all the time by virtue of being white are racist, then okay. <laughs> I thought maybe there was something I could do to change it. I thought maybe there was some way that I could improve or practice virtue or do good things. But I can't. Even though she's saying at the end, what are you going to do to change it? She tells you for the first part of the video, there's nothing you can do to change it. You are a white person. You are evil. You are useless. You are hopeless. Everything you do by virtue of who you are is evil. So I guess the only the only possible answer to that, if you accept that premise, is, okay guess I'm a racist then. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I, I, then I'll stop caring. All right. I, I just won't worry about it anymore. There's a great meme of <laughs> the way that uh, conservative thought has evolved in just the last 10 years. The first the first part of it is the Tea Party guy. He says, hey, let me tell you about your constitutional rights. We're all countrymen. Let's just get back to basics and the founding fathers and cut taxes. And Okay. And the second one, that's more the MAGA movement. They say, hey, there's some real problems here. I mean, we're all still Americans. We all still love each other and, you know, but you guys got to stop being so tough on us and we're going to have some rights and maybe we shouldn't totally have open borders. And and then the the last panel is just this guy. He's got five o'clock shadow. He's just, he's seen a lot, you know, he's smoking a cigarette. He says, oh, okay, I'm evil. I guess right, I'm re- racist and phobic. And cool, whatever, and oh, yeah, you're going oh, you're gonna, to you're gonna call me all sorts of mean names, whatever, bro, lol, fine, and it just doesn't affect him anymore. That's the only rational response to this video. I remember when I was in college, Ann Coulter came to visit, and she said that when a liberal calls you a racist, you know you've won the argument. That's how I feel. I mean, they'll do it to anybody. Often, they'll do it to black people if they don't know that those conservatives are black. I always go back to this example of David Webb, who's a black conservative radio host. And some liberal caller didn't know what he looked like. And just the minute he started to win the argument, she just accused him of white privilege. And he just laughed. Let's say, okay, that's fine. We're all racist. Okay. Yeah, cool. Fine. Whatever.
1: Who are the powerful race in a society, then you're f- racist. Like I just don't understand why it's so taboo. Let's talk about it. Let's accept it so that we can work towards changing it. We're never going to get anywhere and people won't just acknowledge it in the first place.
0: I guess we're not getting anywhere. I guess you're right. You're saying we can't get anywhere. So, okay. It's It's obviously not taboo. It's not taboo to say white people are racist or evil or terrible. In fact, it's encouraged by the society. White people and to some degree Asians, it's the only race that you can legally discriminate against and that you're encouraged to insult. So, okay. Yeah, that's not taboo. You're right. Let's just talk. Yeah, okay, sure. You said it. You're right. Yeah, we're all the worst people in the world. Uh-huh. Can't, there's nothing we can do to change it. All right. Whatever. <laughs> next. I don't know. Swipe up. Okay, what's the next TikTok? <laughs> Literally here, what is the next TikTok? Is from from Sam Harris, the liberal atheist, attacking the one of the black faces of white supremacy, our friend Candace Owens you are swimming in a sea of misinformation where you've got people who are moving the opinions of millions of others who sh- who should not have an opinion on these topics like there, there's no put a pause there <laughs> sam harris sam harris best known for for trying to convince edgy 13 year olds not to believe in god Sam, that's what he's known for. He's known as one of the four new atheists, which was this kind of contrived publishing movement in the mid 2000s. Sam Harris, who I don't mean to insult him or anything like that, but he, not, you know, not, not, the highest, finest intellectual in the world. Okay, he's just a he was a sort of a publishing thing, and he had this really silly idea, and it's one of, the, and it's probably the single dumbest idea anybody can have in the world, which is that God does not exist. And he has the audacity to tell people that they should not have an opinion. Sam Harris, the great liberal. The great liberal, we hear it all out. We're pro-free speech. So certain people shouldn't have an opinion. Who are those people? There is no scenario in which you should be getting your opinion about vaccine safety or or climate change or uh, the war in Ukraine or anything else that we might want to talk about from Candace Owens. Right, it's just like 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 she she's not a relevant expert on any of those topics, and what's mm. more, she doesn't seem to care. He said a few true things there. He said two true things: Candace Owens is not a relative expert, or not a relevant expert. That's true. She doesn't have a white lab coat. She doesn't have a medical degree. She didn't study epidemiology at Johns Hopkins. That's true, and it's also true that she doesn't care. <laughs> She's going to give her opinion whether Sam Harris wants her to or not. There's something here that Sam Harris missed, which is that when it comes to vaccine safety, when it comes to the efficacy of the COVID vaccine, Candace Owens was right and all of the relevant experts were wrong. It's this really weird fact that on the pressing public matters, regular people are often right, and the relevant experts with all the special credentials who Sam Harris gives a stamp of approval to are frequently, if not always, wrong. So (laughs) if we're going to take away the ability of either of these groups to have an opinion that is public, Wouldn't it make more sense to take away Dr. Fauci's platform? Wouldn't it make more sense to take away the platform of the CDC or the WHO, which totally botched COVID? Wouldn't it make sense to take away the platform of Sam Harris, who's wrong about pretty much everything? Because if I'm just judging by who's right and who's wrong, it's true, you know, I'm giving, I have this debate, it's still scheduled. We'll see if the administration cancels it. I have a debate on transgenderism with with a transgender scholar a supposedly distinguished professor with three degrees from Harvard and half a dozen honorary doctorates and dozens of academic publications, who is a man who identifies as a woman, and he calls himself Deirdre. And his real name is Donald. And he's supposedly this distinguished scholar. He's got all of these degrees and credentials. And uh, he's he's been tweeting about our debate. And the only points that he's really made about the debate, he wants the debate to go on. and he said, Knowles is a fascist. Knowles is, a fascist. He's, he used the phrase, he said, I'm an anti-Jesus Catholic. What is it? So I guess he's Episcopalian. That's really, talk about you know, class houses. But he's, he's accusing the Catholics, I guess, of being anti-Jesus. I, I don't know. That's, he's the expert. He's the, he's the distinguished scholar. He says, you're a fascist. You're mean. You're an evil. I hate you. I, I haven't said anything like that at all. I've only said relatively complimentary things about him. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not some distinguished scholar. I don't have any particularly advanced degree. That's the way it goes. And I happen to be right on the question. <laughs> men are men and women are women. And you know who else is right? Every normal person who has ever lived for all of human history are all right. It takes multiple degrees from Harvard not to know what a woman is. Ask Justice Ketanji Jackson. Despite the lackluster economy, or maybe because of it, the Daily Wire is thriving. And not only that, we are hiring. We are currently looking for a video editor to join our fast-growing production team. This person will get the opportunity to work on a variety of content, including our daily podcasts, long-form interviews, YouTube videos, as well as shows such as Ben Shapiro's Debunked, documentaries from Jordan Peterson, and more. Four-plus years of professional video editing experience and familiarity in working in a very fast-paced environment with high turnaround times is required. Bonus points for experience working on viral YouTube content. This is the perfect role for someone who can expertly follow standardized video editing formats while also possessing a strong creative skill set. A link to your reel is required for consideration. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information and to apply, visit dailywire.com careers, dailywire.com careers today. I talked about DeSantis. I talked about Trump. I talked about Biden. We've, we've got to get to one other candidate for president who has just announced his run. He's not getting nearly enough coverage, even though the announcement came yesterday. Classic lamestream media doesn't want to cover the real candidates. That person, of course, would be Joe Exotic. Yes, the Tiger King, who is currently in prison for uh, hiring a hitman to kill his nemesis, Carol Baskin. Joe Exotic has declared that he is running as a Republican, president. In his announcement, he said, put aside that I am gay, that I am in prison for now, that I used drugs in the past, that I had more than one boyfriend at once, and that Carol hates my guts. This all has not a thing to do with me being able to be your voice. The best thing you have going for supporting me is that I am used to fighting my whole life just to get by. I am broke, they have taken everything I ever worked for away, and it's time we take this country back. Now, mm. Joe has a couple of points. Elsewhere in his announcement, he said, I'm just in prison because of the corruption of the Justice Department. And I don't think that's true. I think he's in prison because he hired a hitman to kill a lady. Uh, but his point is, the Justice Department is corrupt. Even had uh, Whitaker, the, the former acting. Uh, Attorney General, who said that there is a two-tiered system of justice in the United States. Uh, we know that the Justice Department goes hard after pro-life grannies and goes hard after horn-hatted people being given a private tour by police around the Capitol on January 6th, taking selfies, but they allow BLM off the hook. We, we know that that's true. We know that people can change. America is the place of uh, second chances. And we know that candidates who have nothing to lose are sometimes the very best candidates. This is one of the arguments for Trump, actually, is they've thrown everything at him. They've, they've taken away everything of his that they can, short of throwing him in prison. And so he's not he's not really beholden to anybody. That's true. Uh, that said, uh, it would appear that Joe Exotic is basically unrepentant. Uh, I, I'm not sure that he's really reformed any of his ways at all. And so I will not I, will, I, don't, I don't want to endorse in the primaries, but I don't think that I will be supporting Joe Exotic for his run, though he can run. And presidential candidates have run before from prison. Eugene Debs, famously a socialist, ran from prison, and he got something like 8% of the vote. So don't, if you're in it, you can win it. Don't write any candidate out, including Joe Exotic. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Uh, you can become a member right now at dailywire.com using promo code Knowles at checkout. You will get two months free on all annual plans. Mr. Davies has lots of secret, special, fun things planned for the crème de la crème inner circle of the members' block. We'll see you over there.